Some of you may recognize me. <laughs> um, some of you may recognize, did we get the other slide up? Maybe five of you here remember <laughs> this couple who came 44 years ago and showed up at the bridge in about the middle of June, 1979, and as three people, and then as time went on, we were joined by Rebecca, our daughter, and became a part of this church for many, many years. And we are very thankful for the years of support and prayer and just encouragement that it's been for us to be a part of a church here, to be together with God's people who cared about the work that God brought us here to do. And we just really want to thank you for being a part of that. You are very much a part of the ministry that we have done and that we've been involved in all these years among First Nations people. We have a, a ministry that touches many lives. Um, this last week was our week at day camp. We had a very busy week. Started off with me smashing my left hand um, when a TV fell off the wall mount and landed on my hand. And so it was, worked out well with all of our boys and girls and running day camp. Um, we had some good workers with us and the boys and girls really got into it. And, you know, as they were singing, it just was touching of our heart. They were singing, one way Jesus, and they were shouting, and you know, that's, you're the only one that I can live for. And boy, to see these boys and girls get excited about following Jesus was, was really a blessing to us. Um, we're involved in a lot of things. Diane does the crafts, and so there was a lot of that planning and preparation that went on ahead as well. And we thank you for your prayers and for being with us through that. This morning I want to talk with us about Psalm 103. And this is a, a psalm of David that he wrote. The psalms are very important. Um, it's not something that I really got into for a long time in my ministry. It was it was the songbook and I enjoy singing, but I I never really could get into the Psalms. And so, you know, as I worked through things, God has opened up these Psalms and really shown me what he's talking about here. One of my professors in seminary, Dr. Ron Allen, wrote these words in a book that he wrote. He said, the Psalms command enjoin, encourage, exemplify the praise of God. They serve as a textbook on praise. What we find in the Psalms concerning praise 
intensifies the English word praise. For the Psalms suggest that praise is a matter of life and breath. That is, praise must come from a genuine and vital relationship with God. The praise to God must be vocal and in a public forum. Praise is not silent, nor is praise possible in solitude. Praise cannot be artificial or by rote. A.H. Leach states, the glory and majesty of God and all his works are to fill men's hearts and find expression in their word and witness. This becomes so overpowering to a person's mind and heart that they must break out in some utterance. Praise is a matter of life and breath. It's something that we are called to do by God. He wants us to bring praise to his name. The chief end of man in the confession of, is that we are to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what we're here for, is to praise the Lord and to lift up his name. And Psalm 103 is written to remind us to remember all that God has done for us. It's so easy for us to just focus on the here and now and what's going on in our life right now. Whether we're going through a hard time, whether we're struggling with an issue and a relationship or illness or those kinds of things, we can focus on the here and now and forget about what God has done. The song we just sang, great is your faithfulness, O God. He has been so faithful to us. The Hebrew language has many words for praise. Um, the one that we're probably most familiar with is halal. It's for the one that we get the word hallelujah from. Praise to God, hallelujah. And it means that we are boastful about what God has done. And that's what praise is. When we say hallelujah, we're saying, God has done great things for me. And so I want to praise his name and boast about him, to be excited in the joy that he gives. But this word in Psalm 103 is not the word halal. Instead, it's the word barak, which means to bless. And so Psalmist David here used a different word for praising. He's saying, we're to bless God. You say, well, you know, I ask God to bless me, but how do I bless God? How can I do something that blesses God? And so let's read Psalm 103. It says, it's a Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, 
who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And his place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you, his mighty angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Let's pray together as we begin today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word and to learn how to bless you. Lord, you have given us so much. You have blessed us in so many different ways. And we want to remember those. We want to not forget what you have done. But Lord, we ask that you would just fill our hearts with praise today, that it might spill out into praise to you and give you blessing. For we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The Psalms are written in poetry. And... English was probably my worst subject in school, so that's maybe why I never really liked poetry. But Hebrew poetry it has a form to it that is consistent, and it, it shows us how to understand what the psalmist was trying to say. There's two kinds of poetry, uh, symmetry in this poetry. There is synonymous parallel, parallelism. Both lines in the, in the verse speak of the same thing. They both speak of blessing God, but describe the act in a different way and maybe adding to it. And so that's called synonymous parallelism. Verse two in this passage is antith antithetical par parallelism. Can't say that word. First line is affirmed 
by the denial in the second line. So when he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, he's saying this is the opposite. Don't forget what God has done for you. To bless him is to not forget, but to remember what God has done. And in doing that, God is honored and he is blessed. So let's look at what does the psalmist say we should remember? He says, he rem bless the Lord because he is the one who forgives all your iniquity. God has forgiven us. The cross of Christ is a symbol that we wear. It's a symbol that is something that is meaningful to us as Christians because it's through the cross that we have forgiveness of our sin. God has forgiven our sin. Verses 10, 11, and 12, the psalmist amplified it by saying, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. There again, synonymous parallelism. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Some of us struggle with that concept. God has forgiven us. In the ministry that Diane and I have been involved in, we deal with a lot of people who have a lot of things in their past that they're not proud of. Things in their past that when they've come to know Christ, they have to deal with those things and overcome some of those things. And as they think about it, they think, how could God forgive me? You know, look what I've done. And the enemy loves to use that. He loves to use it in all of us to come and say, you know, look what you did. How can you be a Christian? How can you claim that God loves you? You know, look what you did. Remember that? The enemy loves to do that. But the psalmist reminds us that God has forgiven all of our transgressions and he has removed them as far as the east is from the west. He has taken them away. Later on in scripture it says he remembers them no more. It's like when we do something and we come to God and say, God, you know, I did it again. And God says, did what again? Because he doesn't remember that we did it the first time if we confessed it to him. It's gone. He's forgotten it. And he wants us to be able to do that as well. Not, not just push it down and, and you know, push it back in our mind and not deal with it. God says, I've forgiven it. Let it go. 
Be free from it. It's a part of the freedom that we have in Christ. The past has been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of what he paid for your sin and for my sin. He took it away. He forgives all your iniquity. It's gone. Don't live in it. Don't let it be the thing that drags you down. Bless the Lord and say, Lord, thank you. You've forgiven me. You've let that go. And you've set me free. Have you ever wondered if God has really forgiven you? Today, look at the psalm. Believe God's word. He has forgiven all your iniquity. If you've put your faith in Jesus, your anchor to his word, then he has forgiven you. He is faithful in all of that. Psalmist goes on and he says, who heals all your diseases. You say, wait a minute. You know, right now, maybe I'm struggling with a disease. You say, God's healed all my diseases. We have, in our ministry, seen God work in powerful ways. One of our men had stage four cancer of the sinuses. And the doctors were not very encouraging. And he came one Sunday and said, would you anoint me with oil and pray for me? And so we did. At the end of the service, we gathered around, brought him up, and we anointed him with oil and prayed for him. There was also a lady in our congregation that Sunday that had battled cancer and been in remission for 10 years, and her cancer had returned. And she too came and said, would you pray for me? And so we anointed her with oil and prayed with her and asked God to bring healing to her as well. Well, our friend Glenn went to chemotherapy and 90% of his cancer was wiped out. The doctors were amazed. They said they never expected that to happen. Three months later, our sister passed away. You say, wait a minute, God didn't heal her disease. Yes, he did. He took her home to a place where there is no disease, where there is no sickness, there is no dying, there's no pain. He took her to that home. He healed her diseases. God is a great physician. He can heal here. But sometimes he chooses through that to give us the ultimate healing, to take us home to be with him. Last year, in October, my sister-in-law passed away of ALS, which had struck her in about 10 months before. And she went through a 10-month battle with ALS. And 
It took her life. But every day, her statement was, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And she lived in joy to the end. And was healed completely. And she went home to be with the Lord. He heals all our diseases. The gift of God is eternal life. And he takes us to that place where we will be with him forever. And there will be no sorrow, no suffering, and no pain and no sickness there. And so yes, he does heal all diseases one way or another. And so we don't have to fear. When we're walking through a disease, we don't have to be concerned that God isn't with us. He's there and he will bring healing because he is a faithful God. It also says he redeem, who redeems your life from the pit. God is worthy of our blessing because he transforms those who come to him and follow his, his voice, who listen to him. Some examples that I thought of. He turns murderers into apostles. You know, he took the apostle Paul from a man who was consenting to the death, participating in the death of believers and followers of Jesus. And yet, God in his grace redeemed him from the pit, brought him up out of that, put him on a solid rock and made him the great apostle that wrote most of the New Testament. The words that we have, instructions from God. In our ministry, we've seen God bring addicts to, to freedom, to be able to say, you know what, that no longer has any hold on me. Whether it was alcohol or drugs or other addictions, they've conquered those through Christ. Freedom Session is coming, and I'm, I'm excited about that because I've used that in the past, and it's a good program, and it's an encouraging and I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with an addiction, you've got some issues to deal with, go to Freedom Session. It's a good, good ministry to deal with those things. And as we see people set free, the joy that they have is a blessing to God because he's redeemed their life from the pit. We've seen drug dealers who made lots of money, turn their lives over to Christ and become responsible citizens, um, you know, dealing with the, their past, but taking steps to live for, for the Lord. And so my question to us this morning is, what was your pit? What was it that you were mired in? The psalmist says, you know, I was in a miry pit. I grew up on the prairies um, in a community with lots of pigs. 
Um, and I worked on farms. I didn't live on a farm, but I worked on farms. And, you know, pig pens are miry pits. There is no way to stay clean living in a pit. There's no way for us to live for the Lord and live our lives pure and clean for the Lord if we're staying in the pit. He has redeemed our life from the pit. He's taken you out of it. Don't go back to it. Don't look to that, that pit and say, oh man, I remember all of my friends back there. I remember the good times we had. I remember, no, it was a pit. Look at it as a pit. And know that God has lifted you out of that. He wants to establish you, to have you walk in his ways, to remember him and to follow him. The psalmist says he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. When God took us out of the pit, he took us out of that pit so that he could set us on a solid foundation and give us a life of meaning and purpose and direction. He gives us his mercy. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve, but instead he gives us his grace, the benefits that we don't deserve. Verse eight in this Psalm says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That verse is repeated over and over and over again in scripture. You'll run across it as you read through the Bible because this truth is something that we really need to grasp as a believer. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God's love is loyal. He will never leave you or forsake you. When you feel alone, when you're down in a depression, know that God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's not angry with you. I grew up in a, a church that was very legalistic. And um, it was like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Um, and I grew up in that kind of an environment. And I have looked back at it and I've given God thanks for that because it kept me from doing a lot of the things that my friends were doing. You know, I didn't get involved in doing a lot of the, the sinful stuff that my friends were doing. And so, because I saw God as a judge who sat up there and if I stepped out of line, he was gonna smack me. Um, and so I didn't do those things. You know, I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, I didn't run around, I didn't go to dances, I didn't do, I didn't go to movies. You know, that was, we didn't do those things. But as I grew in my walk with the Lord, I learned about the grace of God and what a freeing thing that was in my life. I still don't do those things, but I do them for a different reason. 
because I know the grace of God. God is merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in love. He loves us forever. There's no place, scripture says, that we can ever get away from God's love. Said if I went up to the heavens, you're there. If I went to the depths, you're there. If I went to the far east and the far west, I, I still couldn't get away from God's love. So don't ever doubt that God's love loves you. He does. And, you know, so often we struggle with that. Verse 17 says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. There's a condition there that we respect, honor, and revere God. That's what it means to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord isn't to be afraid of him. The fear of the Lord is to reverence him, to recognize who he is. He is the holy God, completely, totally sinless. And he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he wants you to know that. Don't ever doubt him. Don't let the enemy try to convince you that, no, God doesn't love you. There's nothing you can do that will cause God to stop loving you. As parents, you know, your children don't always behave like they should. But you'll never stop loving them. That's just a minuscule example of God's love for you. God wants us to remember his covenant. Remember that he has made promises to you that will never fail. There's nothing that God has said that he will not do. And so remember that and bless God for that. Give him praise because he has forgiven us and he's taken us and crowned you with his love and mercy. Psalmist says, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Working among First Nations people, they are very keen to recognize eagles. I don't know how many times I'm just with a First Nations friend and they'll go, look, there's an eagle. Yeah. I didn't see it, but they do. And if you've ever watched eagles, how they soar, you know, they're not like hummingbirds. They don't flap their wings like in a fury. They just stick their wings out and they ride the currents. God has given them that so that their energy is renewed. They're not burning 
energy by flapping their wings. They just soar. And God says, that's what I want you to do. I want you to rest in me. He satisfies you with good things. When we live for the Lord, he takes care of his children. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Verse 14 says, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. I tell my people, just remember, you're just a dirt bag. <laughs> that's, that's what we are. We're dust. God remembers that. And you know what? He loves your dirt bag. He remembers that we are dust. Our days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. But the Lord knows who we are. He remembers that he created us and he loves us that much. And he gives to us good things. He satisfies us with contentment and with peace. You know, there's no better place to be when you're going through a storm, when you're going through a trial, than to be in the presence of God, to be surrounded by his love, and to know that he has your best at heart, that he's going to bring you through that. Rest in him. He satisfies us with good and renews our strength like the eagles. And then he knows what's going on in our world. Verse 6, the psalmist says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. As we look around our world today, we see the oppression that's going on in many countries of our world. We see the persecution that believers are going through. God is there. He is with them. He knows their situation. He knows what's happening. And he is the just judge. Oppressors will be brought to justice. They'll be shown no mercy by God. He sees and he knows. And so we need to be careful that we're not oppressing people around us. That we're not treating other people unfairly, that we're not being racist, that we're not being judgmental of people around us. That's not what God has called us to do. He is the judge. We are not. And so we need to demonstrate God's love to all people. As you know, you've heard in the the news and all of the things that happened with First Nations people in Canada. 
they're struggling under oppression. And for many of them, it's a struggle to get through all of that history, all of that back things that happened to them. And sadly, many of, much of it was done in the name of Christianity. And so there's resentment there. One of the challenges that we face is to overcome those barriers. There's many barriers in our world. There's barriers, economic barriers. There's social barriers. There's language barriers. There's past history barriers. And as ministers of the gospel, God has called us to break down those barriers, to show people that God is a God of justice. He's a God of righteousness, and he works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He wants them to come to know him. And so he wants us to be used to tell them about Jesus and about his love for them as well. The Lord established his throne in the heavens, verse 19 says, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord rules over all creation. He is the creator. He is the one who made us. He's the one who chose us. And he said, I want you to be my witness. Just as he created the angels. And he wants them to do his work. And they do his work. They follow his word. They obey God's word. And God wants us to listen to his word and to obey his word, to follow him. And let the works of the Lord fill your life and all that you do and become. As we let Christ rule in our life and we let him take charge, he will use you. He will use you to bless others. He'll use you and give you blessings. We're not saying he's gonna make everybody rich. You know, that's health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. It's not biblical. God hasn't called us to be that. He's called us to be faithful to him, to bless him, to bless his name, and to be a blessing to those around us, to show them God's love, to let them allow an understanding of who God is. And so let him work through you. Let him fill your life so that praise overflows. The psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
So I challenge you today, count your blessings. Don't forget what God has done in your life. Whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a month or a year or 20 years or 40 years or longer, God has done things in your life. Don't forget them. This psalm reminds us to not forget any of his benefits, to hold on to them. Write them down if you need to so that you can go back and say, yes, God, you answered this prayer. You answered that prayer in my life. You did this and blessed me through it. And as you do, your heart will be filled to overflowing with joy. And that has to come out in praise. That's what the psalmist is saying. Let your blessing to God come out of your mouth. Tell others about it. Rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, creator of heaven and earth, and all that is within it, Lord, you have made it to bless our hearts. You have blessed us, Lord, in so many ways. You have forgiven our transgressions our, for our sin. Lord, what a, what a freeing thing that is to us. Help us never to forget when the enemy attacks that you have forgiven us that we are free in you. And Lord, help us to remember that, to remember your forgiveness. And Lord, help us to count all of our blessings, to look to you and give you thanks, give you that praise, to give you the halal, the boast, Lord, boasting about what you have done but also to bless you, to give you praise because of what you've done in our lives. Lord, help us to live in such a way that you are pleased and you are honored. And we'll give you thanks, Lord, in all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for joining us at the Bridge Church in this way. If God has spoken to you through his word, or if you're wanting to reach out to pray, or just wanting to know more about our church, access our website. There, you can connect with us and also have access to other contents. We are a church that lives to know Jesus Christ personally and to make him known. We believe that he is the hope of the world and wants to give you hope as well. We believe the best news ever has come in and through him. May you know him more and make him known today. We'd love to hear from you.